Welcome to Series 2, Episode 16. On the show today, I've got Dominic Colenso, former Thunderbird, inspirational speaker, and founder of Inflow, a company giving you sales and leadership impact. As we all know, we're now in show business. We can have our own TV channels, we can have our own podcasts. We talk Zoom fatigue, selling down the lens, playing the leading role, putting on a show, and how to be resilient. Dominic has some fabulous communication tips to share and great stories. Enjoy. Thanks for being a fab listener. And of course, please do subscribe and tell your friends. Welcome to the Johnny Ross Audio Experience. I'm Johnny Ross, founder and digital marketing strategist of Fleet Marketing. Each podcast, I'll be bringing you an expert to inspire you, to give you some great business growth takeaways, and to get you thinking about marketing and the bigger picture of how businesses can improve, adapt, and grow. I look forward to sharing this with you on each podcast. So here we go. Hello and welcome to another live Q&A. Today we've got Dominic Colenso with us. How are you? I'm very well. Thanks for having me, Johnny. It's a pleasure and it's great for you to be here. Uh, Dominic's a, a keynote speaker. Uh, he's also a founder and, uh, well, you're a former Thunderbird, which we're going to get into. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> um, uh, an inspirational speaker um, and uh, you're also a founder of uh, Inflow Training. You've you're a best-selling uh, author. Uh, the list goes on and on. Uh, in fact, actually, I'm going to start there because I read that by the age of 26, um, you had been a Thunderbird, lost a million dollars. Is that right? And, yeah. Uh, you fired by Simon Cowell. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go into that, I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm just going to say uh, welcome to everyone. We're on uh, Facebook. We're live on LinkedIn. We're live on YouTube. Uh, we're also uh, on a podcast as well. So thanks if you're listening. Uh, and if you've, if you've got any questions, feel free to add comments. Um, but it's uh, it's great that you're here and uh, and it's great that Dominic's joined us as well. Um, and we're going to be talking a lot about the stuff that you do now and what you've written about in your book, Impact. Um, but yeah. just Take us back. What's you know? Tell me more about the Thunderbird losing a million dollars and and being fired by Simon Cowell. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to go into there. But I I started my career as a professional actor, so uh, I I'd always kind of enjoyed being on stage. And I got to the age of sort of sixteen, seventeen, get to that point where you think, what am I going to do with the rest of uh, of my life? Uh, and I was quite academic, so there was one option was to kind of go down the the academic route I was thinking maybe law business something like that uh, or go and try your hand um, and uh, and see what happens being on stage and that sort of stuff and and luckily back in the day you could do a degree and then the government would pay for you to do a second degree and a third degree so I thought you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna take the risk um, I'm gonna go to drama school I was I was young in my year, so I think I was 17. Um, and I applied to all of these drama schools. Um, I was living in Germany at the time, so I was flying back for these auditions. Uh, did the first, second, third, fourth, fifth drama school audition and got rejected by them all. So the, the pressure was on for the last one. Um, and, uh, and I got accepted. So I went to a school called Drama Centre London. Um, Tom Hardy was in the year above me. Uh, people like Michael Fassbender, Helen McCrory, Piers Brosnan, all of those sorts of actors went there. Um, and it was amazing. It was this kind of really tough 
conservatoire training. There were just uh, 90 people in, in the school, so 30 people in each year, um, and uh, got through to the, the end of that with a few trials and tribulations uh, on the way and, and kicked off a, a fantastic career as an actor. So very lucky to, to land a, an early role in the Thunderbirds adaptation in 2004 with Sir Ben Kingsley and Bill Paxton. Um, this was, and then, this was Hol Hollywood's version, was it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So uh, as a working title in Universal Pictures, um, so Busted did the theme tune, big kind of big deal, <laughs> London premiere, um, flying, wow. over, flying over to Japan for, for press junkets and, uh, you know, doing a, we did a, a premiere in Japan to 6,000 people. And um, we had, uh, we had V6, which were the kind of Japan's equivalent of One Direction doing the doing the theme tune and, and dubbing all our voices. So there were five of them and then there were five Tracy brothers and it, yeah, it was just nuts. It was all, all very good fun at 21. It was amazing. Wow. And and so so carry on. So what's the, I, I don't know any, I mean, I, we, we met at a, an ILM train the trainer course. We were just discussing just before we went live. We, we think it was many moons ago. Yeah, um, but um, <laughs> um, I did, I've, I've never known anything about the, the lost a million dollars. What's that one? So that was part of the Thunderbirds contract. So we, uh, when we signed up for the movie, we signed a three movie deal. Um, and uh, and movie number three was a million dollars. And uh, the way that the way that the world of acting works is that the the studios get to say you know tie you in and say you're going to do it, um, but they can also say yeah actually we're not going to do it. So uh, so I got paid a, a very modest fee for the first uh, first film. And the second and third film were going to go incrementally uh, bigger. And we got uh, we got out of the first film, did all the press junkets, and everything seemed quite positive. They'd they'd written the second script, they'd booked the studios. It was all going to go. Uh, and then, unfortunately, my understanding is that it just didn't do well enough in America. So, Thunderbirds is a very British concept, and you know the Japanese are mad for it, and in Europe, it it, it went down really well. Um, but the Americans just didn't get it. Uh, so unfortunately, Universal kind of sat down and said, we're not, we're, we're going to pull the, pull the contract. So having kind of probably, if I'm honest, at 21 years old, mentally spent that first million dollars, um, <laughs> I had to go, and, uh, go back to, to finding a day job and trying to pay the rent. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm, I'm Simon Cowell for getting fired by Simon Cowell. Yeah. Uh, so that was, that was a few years later. I was, I was in a, an ITV drama called Rock Rivals. And um, it was a, a kind of fictional adaptation of uh, The X Factor. So I was signed up to play the lead character or one of two characters that were going to go down into the, the final two for the show. Uh, and it was, it was kind of bonkers. We were, we were rehearsing and, and working with one of uh, Westlife's kind of co-producers. We were having to sing and do, do, the, do the whole kind of uh, gambit for that. And the, and the idea was that we were both going to release or, or we were both going to record a single. So me and, and Holly, who was an amazing singer, I'm rubbish, but she was great. Uh, we were both going to re record a single. And then the final episode was going to go to the public vote. So it was a fictional show, but we're going to shoot two alternative endings. And the public were going to decide who they wanted to win the show. Then they'd air that episode and they'd release the single that, that we we both recorded. Um, anyway, 
about four weeks into filming, um, things had been going really well. I'd had great conversations with the producers and all of that sort of stuff. And uh, I, I, I got told by the assistant director that I was getting a, a day off. So I was like, okay, that's great. We've been filming loads. So I thought I'm going to chill out. We were, we were out in Dublin. We were living out there. Uh, I thought I'm going to go and do a bit of retail therapy, have a wander around, have a coffee, just have, have some time off. And um, I, was, I was out walking in the centre of Dublin, I think buying some gym equipment. And uh, I got a phone call from the producer saying, um, we, uh, we, we need you back. We're having a full cast meeting. And I was like, well, I'm really sorry. I'm out. It's my day off. And she was like, no, I need you back. So I, I negotiated with her to get a, about another hour and then came back to my apartment. And these apartments had a, there was a courtyard uh, where all the cast were staying. So if you looked up around you, you could see that no one else was home. And I was like, hang on, I thought we were having an all cast meeting. It's a bit weird. Anyway, I went into my apartment, got on the piano, started practicing my songs for, for the next episode that we were working on. Um, tried to find a producer, like you told me I needed to come home, but you're not here. Couldn't, didn't get through, didn't think anything of it. Bit more piano playing, bit more line learning. And then all of a sudden my English mobile went uh, and it was my agent. And immediately in that moment, I was like, this is not good news. There's, the, there's no reason for Claire to be phoning me. So I picked up the phone and long story short, Simon had been out in America doing American Idol or, or one of those shows, come back and seen the rushes and just decided that I wasn't the right fit for the part in his opinion i didn't look right i think the feedback i got was i wasn't grungy enough i was like well there's not a lot i can do about that to be perfectly honest so he, he kind of felt i was a bit too boy band so they'd gone they'd gone into negotiations and it, it turns out that he he kind of put his foot down and said look if you want my name associated with this show you're going to have to recast this uh, this guy and pay him out of his contract so um i i packed my bags the next morning and uh, and flew home from from Dublin, and uh, that was it. So that was a, a a bit of a toughie, quite hard to bounce back from that. But here I am. <laughs> wow! But then, but then, what you've done is you've taken things like that that have happened uh, throughout your career and turned them into what you offer now. So one of the yeah. uh, inspirational talks that you do is uh, around resilience, uh, and uh, and you you you've said to me. Uh, the the knockbacks you have as as an actor as as probably really built your resilience and, and you share that so just before we go into that though um i wanted to talk about um so what you currently do in flow training and yeah. um the the uh the, you're ultimately helping uh team uh, leaders perform better in front of teams you're yeah. helping um uh, leaders also i mean you, you're calling it selling down the lens we're all we're all in about to be we're all in showbiz now yeah uh, <laughs> all on camera but but one of the things so, so i'm just taking it back a bit though so so um info one of the things that you do you'd go in you'd do you'd do some uh internal training lots of bespoke yeah. but very recently you formalized that uh, and you've come up with a, a program that you now offer, um, yeah. and, and it's in three parts, isn't it? Impact, influence, and, in, and inspire. Just, yeah. just try and summarise what that is, and, and and for people that are listening and watching, we're going to give give loads of tips on, so, on on some of these things. So you know how to how to be better on Zoom, how to be better on Teams. Yeah. Uh, 
we are going to get to tips very shortly, but just just try and summarize that impact, influence and inspire for me. Yeah. So as you said, it's my belief that we're now all in show business. So, you know, we spend all of our time and I, and I think this will go on when we when we look at coming out of this pandemic. You know, The way that we work has changed. There's going to be a lot more remote working. People are going to spend less time in the office. So we we needed to think about how we could help people really have a structured way of thinking about the way that they show up on camera. So we've created these accelerator programs and we, we do them in the, the business development space. So pitching with impact, we do them in the leadership space, leading with impact. Uh, we do it for high performance teams, so communicating with impact. Uh, and what we've, what we've found is that there are three steps that people need to take. So the first is impact itself, and that is understanding your own performance. And, and that relies very much on the methodology from my book of the same name. And we take people through each of the six pillars of impact that, that will help you understand how you show up and how to tweak things depending on you know the, the circumstances, depending on the audience. Once you've got that self-understanding, you then need to think about how you use that with other people. And that's where we move on to influence. So in an influence module, we typically be looking at the challenging scenarios that people find themselves in. So for, uh, for a sales team, it might be handling objections or it might be, you know, those, those tricky questions and the person that just drills down into the detail. Uh, for a leadership team, it might be how they deliver difficult feedback in a virtual environment or uh, how they present an idea to the board. Uh, and what we'll do in an influence module is we'll typically bring in a role play actor and we've been doing this very successfully virtually uh, and, and using that forum to put people in the hot seat, put them into a, sen a scenario that they find difficult and then get them to apply the tools that they've learned in the previous module. Uh, and then the final piece of the jigsaw is inspire. And that's where we try and bring everything together and say, okay, so what's the big task that you have to do? Is it the pitch? So let's look at the pitch. So let's film the pitch and do some video analysis around it. Or, or, or is it, uh, you know, sell, selling the vision and the values to the team and getting better at storytelling from a leadership perspective? Okay, let's look at that. So those three modules over two to three months really allow people to build muscle. Uh, and to build a skill that is embedded into performance rather than what, what we find um, sometimes with, with training interventions where, you know, you, you go in, you spend a couple of days with people uh, and then there's a little bit of kind of goodbye, good luck at the end of it. So we wanted to really make sure that we were holding people's hands and, and changing behavior. You, well, I mean, way before COVID, you were uh, always on camera. You were a huge advocate for um for for video um, yeah. and that was around making an impact uh not just uh with communication but also on video as well you came and did uh, an in-house workshop for us probably about four or five years ago now at least and yeah. um and i always remember one of the one of the just really simple tips that you gave four or five years ago was instead of instead of sending a uh, instead of leaving a voicemail send a video message and yeah. and and what you're saying is actually you could still do that now and stand out. Absolutely. I mean, I think if you if you were sending a video message right now, you'd you'd still be in the maybe top five percent of people in terms of in terms of your comfort level with with doing that. Um, what's nice about a video message is that you can really personalize the the content. People can see your body language, they can hear your tone of voice, but they can consume that content 
it, at their at their leisure. You're not asking someone to get on uh, a Zoom meeting with you. You're not, you know, monopolizing a certain time in their diary. You're just saying, here's something that I want you to understand, um, but but take it at your own pace. And I, we found that incredibly effective. And our, and our clients, you know, say that their results are, are great with that. And there's there's a lot of technology that supports that now. Um, Loom is a great tool. BombBomb is a great tool. Um, you, can, you know, you can even just record a video and send it on WhatsApp. It doesn't have to be particularly difficult. Um, I, I'm seeing a, a real increase in, from a social media perspective of people leaving voice memos now on, on LinkedIn and those sorts of things. But I do think the video is, is still the next level. So if you want to up your game, that's, that's where I'd suggest you go. Um, but as I say, you've been saying this for, for five years. And it's still... It, it it it's still not 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 you know not turned and yeah. um and, and what a great way having having experienced it myself and taken your advice five years ago ha, um what a great way to get more comfortable on camera it, yeah it, absolutely you know, what a brilliant idea with regard to the clients that you're currently working with and certainly over over covid what's uh, what sort of acceleration have you seen in terms of um how uh, how businesses and organizations are, are going to be working. How, do you think we've sort of jumped forward five, ten years in terms of technology and, and hybrid and video, and or, or is it not leaped as far as that? No, I, th- I think it has jumped forward, you know, light years. I, I think the, the statistic that I read most recently was 300 million Zoom participants a day. Right. And, and, and pre pre COVID, that was around the ten million mark. So you know, people's uptake of this technology is huge. Now, I would caveat that because it's not always the most appropriate thing to use. So I think there are some people that are doing video for the sake of doing video, uh, and actually having a phone conversation can be a lovely oasis in a sea of back-to-back video meetings. So don't underestimate the power of of changing it up. But if you can't get into the room with someone and you really want to be able to influence them, then this this is by far the best medium to do it but then you need to be proficient at how you use the tool because it is just a tool um, and there are lots of little things that you can do to help you stand out from the crowd and that's what we're helping people with at the moment what one of the things that you do is help teams that may be very technically proficient um so you know maybe an it director for example who is trying to manage teams um and and needs those sort of softer skills what what are some of the the things that you may help them how do you help them achieve that so it's getting them to think differently about the way that they communicate and and for me it's about a systematic approach so um, impact in in my book is actually an acronym and it stands for intention so what do you want people to know feel do uh, your mindset so how do you quieten some of those voices in in your head and if you're sitting on here thinking what's he talking about I don't hear voices that's exactly the voice I'm talking about you know we're we're constantly having that internal dialogue um, the P is for presence and that's about how you show up so you know you you notice right now that actually I'm at a standing desk there's there's, there's something about the energy required to really engage with you and have this conversation that I personally couldn't do standing down so I was sitting down so I'm not saying that everyone needs to stand but it's about 
understanding your own physical presence and what works for you. Um, the uh, the A in the audience, uh, the A in the model is audience. So really flexing your communication and understanding who you're talking to and speaking their language. So your IT director example uh, is a great one because those people, uh, generalization here, but people will tend to be, you know, very analytical, very focused, very process driven. Um, and they might be talking to someone who's much more kind of impulsive and big picture. Uh, and, and quite often, if you try and bring those two styles together, you actually get conflict and, and people aren't able to listen to each other. So you want to think, who am I talking to right now? And how do I tweak the way that I'm positioning this argument so it's easier for them to hear? Uh, the C in the model is content. So thinking about the language, the words that you use, what are some of the frameworks that you can use for good feedback or good pitch structure. Uh, and then the T, and this is really important for me, is technique. Because it's about being the best version of you. Uh, I, as, uh, as a speaker, as a, as a trainer, as a coach, have no desire to turn out cookie cutter communicators, people that just do it my way. It, that'd be really, really boring. So it's sort of saying, okay, Johnny, this is you. What is the best version of you look like on your best day? How do we turn that up? Uh, and how do we maybe turn some of the other stuff down so that you're being the most effective that you can possibly be? So that, that's the kind of approach that we take. And, and the key thing here, this isn't just, uh, this is nowhere near just about video. This is about being in a, in a room with, in a meeting. This yeah. is about being in front of people, even a one-to-one -one basis, uh, standing on a stage in video. It's all of these things, isn't it? Even even writing an email, you know, it all kind of comes at, it, it, believe it or not, your, your physical presence when you sit down to type at the keyboard will dictate the quality of the email that you send. So if you're stressed and, and in a bad mood, then you're much more likely to send a rubbish email and then hit send before you should have done. So all of this stuff, you know, really, really is interwoven. It's, it's certainly not standalone. But, but I also love the idea that, you know, we obviously are talking about video because that's where the world's gone right now. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's something that you've been uh, trying to get all of us to be doing for a long time. Uh, I love the idea that you're standing to do this. And, and you were saying that 80% of your time on camera is standing. Yeah. Um, and, and it's only maybe if you're doing sort of a one-to-one -one consultancy where you might need to be making notes and, yeah. and a more relaxed atmosphere. Um, it, but I, I think that's, I, th I think it really does change your way of thinking. And I, and, and I am also seeing that in organizations where you've got standing meetings. So yeah. I can see how it connects. Um, and, uh, and it's a really good idea. The other thing that I remember you always saying was what's important. Go on. Go on. Now, what, nope. what's important to remember is that, and this is a great tip for anyone watching, the camera sucks energy out of your performance. And I learned this very early on as an actor, um, you know, watching uh, Ben Kingsley, watching Bill Nye, people that are, just have amazing camera technique and noticing that actually when, when they stood up in front of the camera, they, they really switched it on. Now, it wasn't about kind of big jazz hands and, and being kind of over the top and in people's face. It was actually about a level of focus. And you'll see that. You, you'll see in, in meetings on a day-to-day -day basis, people kind of performing at a level that is just about acceptable if you were sitting next to them. But that doesn't travel down the lens. So I talk about level eight as being the optimum energy level. You've got, you know, level one is I've got the man flu, I can't get out of bed. Level 10 is I've had two cans of Red Bull and a pack of M&Ms, you know, <laughs> all, all over the place. Level eight is that sort of focus 
where I'm leading the conversation, I'm keeping you engaged, and I'm not allowing the energy to dip. Because if the if my energy dips, then your energy will dip. Um, and so it's really important that people realize that the camera sucks energy out of your performance. You've got to move it up a notch. Well, the interesting thing is when we interrupted each other, rightly so, we were both thinking the same thing because I, what I was going to say was I remember you always saying to me that you need to be three times more animated on uh, on camera than you need to be in person. And that sort of ties in with what you were just saying there. It, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't know if three times is enough, uh, <laughs> but, but I like it. It's it's now getting to level eight. Okay. <laughs> level eight. And, and, and this is the thing, like a great tip for everyone is, is just record the next Zoom or Teams meeting you're on and play it back. Now, I know that's going to be painful. Uh, and like I've, I've got an episode of Midsummer Murders that comes out every Christmas. And I always sort of sit behind the sofa and cringe because it's not nice seeing yourself on camera. But... It is the easiest way to tell how you're coming across. And you might be quite surprised what you think is a really kind of powerful, compelling performance may well be a little bit undercooked. Um, so it's definitely worth taking a look. And, but, but any more tips on how to get over the uh, watching yourself and listening to yourself if you don't enjoy that? Because I must tell you, it's not something I enjoy either. I think it's one of those things that that just gets easier. And it, the, 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 the important thing is to know why you're doing it. Like, you know, you're not doing it to torture yourself. Um, unfortunately, you do sound like that. And that's just one of the, you know, because you, 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 your microphone and your speaker are connected in here. It sounds different to you than it sounds to your audience. So unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, that is how you sound. Um, but... At, if you're if you're doing it for the right reasons, it's going to give you a huge amount of, uh, of feedback. And I, I normally just say, you know, just watch watch the first couple of uh, seconds, the first thirty seconds, a minute, and just ignore it and just get used to what you're what you're doing. And then look for look for things that you can improve. Don't just beat yourself up for the for the sake of it. Don't worry what you look like particularly, but you know, have a think about how you're framed. Have a think about the the image that your audience is seeing. Have a think about where you're you know, where your eye contact is. All of those things are, are really easy to see uh, when you watch yourself back on, on camera. So try and have that objective uh, position when you do it. Is, is it at this point that you tell me I've got a great face for radio? <laughs> no, you're, I mean, you're, it's, it, you're a great <laughs> example of someone that has, has framed themselves really well. You're, you're right in the middle of the, the screen. Um, you know, we can, we can see you, we can hear you. All of those things are really, really important. Talk to me about the uh, resilience side of things. And, uh, you know, um, the, you, you say you've dealt with a lot of knockbacks. Um, what, what, what was the thing that got you into inflow? And, and are you telling me that if you weren't offered a leading role, that you would, <laughs> that, you know, come on, let's be honest here. Um, if you, <laughs> I know that you're happy and I know that you perform every day uh, yeah. in, in what you do. But come on, if you were offered a leading role in, you know, some big big thing with with a big name would you be taking it i don't know i mean genuinely i don't know um i i absolutely love what i do and and what i love about what i do now with, that i didn't have when i was an actor is that i can see 
the effect of the work that I'm having. It's like, it, it's instant. I even, even working virtually, you can see people's performance improve. Um, you know, you'll have a follow-up coaching call and someone will say, I nailed that, or I just got the promotion, or um, we, we went to market and it was a massive success. Um, as, a, as an actor, it's quite a selfish profession and and I'm sure that any actors watching this will understand what I mean. It's not a criticism. It's just you have to be very aware of yourself, uh, what you look like, what you sound like, um, what what you're doing, um, what the next job is going to be. You know, you, you, you're doing a fantastic job, but you're not really in control of many of those variables until you become, you know, I don't know, Tom Cruise or whatever, and you've got your, your next 10 years mapped out. But for most people... You know, it's very high and very low, and and, and I found that um, yeah, quite quite challenging to deal with. I, I I discovered some really useful coping mechanisms for that, but it's it's not a an environment that I I would relish jumping back into. If you said to me, Dominic, I've got this great part. Um, there's some great people in the cast. We just want you to do that, and then you can go back to doing what you're doing. Then I'd probably be like, "Yeah, that sounds fun." Um, you know, once an actor, always an actor, I suppose. So you know, watch this yeah. space when I'm when I'm 65. I'll uh, I'll, I'll roll out the uh, <laughs> the acting career again. Good. I mean, I wouldn't want you to lose it. Um, <laughs> how do you deal with um, Zoom fatigue? I mean, is that is, are there any ways of is it just all these best practices or is there anything new to try and because um, because I think a lot of people are suffering from that. Yeah. So, so how do you engage your teams uh, in these meetings? So two two things. Uh, firstly, why why is your meeting 30 minutes or 60 minutes? Because Microsoft Outlook told you so. Right, you went, to, you went to you went to book something in, and you took the default time setting. So first, think about how long you need. Uh, and I would suggest that if you thought you needed thirty minutes, you could definitely get it done in twenty-five, and it would be more focused anyway. So try and put some buffer times in, and, and be very um, you know deliberate about that, so that the meeting ends and people have time to get to the next meeting. So ideally. We should be looking at maybe 20 minute meetings instead of half an hour, um, certainly 45 minute meetings instead of an hour. Um, uh, so that will give you time in between. And then what you do in between those times is really important. One thing I'm really noticing with with clients right now is that people are spending a lot of time sitting at their desk. So, you know, you might log on over breakfast at eight o'clock and you're still sitting with the laptop on your uh, on your lap finishing off some emails at 8:30 at night and actually if you think about it you've spent most of the day kind of in in something like this sort of position um and we anchor emotional states in the body so you you know when when you are feeling relaxed your body is relaxed when you are feeling uptight your body is normally uptight so actually putting some physical breaks in where you get up and you walk around and you have a little bit of a stretch you know we used to walk to the kitchen at the other end of the corridor we used to pop over to susan's desk to ask her a question and instead we're just sitting in the same space so Use use a physical cue, a physical you know stretch, movement, warm up uh, to get you prepared in between those meetings, and that will help break up the, the the Zoom fatigue. The mind and the body are linked, so when you start to move the body, you'll start to move the mind. The um, 
yeah, and, but it, but it's also trying to get your teams to do that, isn't it? So, um, is there something in there that you should be doing that during a call, during a meeting? Then, I mean, uh, you know, yeah. would that be fair to say? That would be, I mean, you know, we will we'll do we'll certainly think about breaks within a meeting. So, any, anything over an hour, and I'm normally thinking we need to we need to put something in here. Um, you know, ten minutes, get up, stretch, move. Um, with with my teams, if I if I see that if I see the energy's flat, I'm like, right, everyone, get up on your feet, thirty seconds, yeah. move around. Um, you know, just just finding opportunities to reset throughout the day is is really important. Um, no one's ever going to be disappointed that you said. You know what? We've we've got another twenty minutes to go in the diary, but I think we're done right now. <laughs> no, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. No, say no, keep us here, keep us here. So just get used to giving people their time back, um, and and you will instantly elevate yourself to super boss status. You've done some uh, big keynote speeches in your time, um, and um, I'm wondering before you get onto stage, are there any particular things that you do? And I'm guessing that if there are, you you get people to do this just you know going into any situation. Yeah. Uh, what are the the particular techniques that you do? So the the, the two big things for me are, are are the the physical stuff. So I'm always doing a, a warm up. I I include this area as well. So I do. Some, I won't do these on camera, but I do some kind of crazy articulation warm-ups, you know, face face stretches and uh, tongue twisters and those sorts of things. But the, the big piece for me, and this comes right back to my drama school days, is is getting myself centered. And the way I do that is with with breathing. So when I first went to drama school, I was actually an incredibly nervous performer. So, you know, bright red flush, you could fry eggs on my ears. I was sweaty. It was, it was horrible. Um, but I learned in, in voice classes and in movement classes really to get a control over, over my breath. So we, what you'll find is if people are nervous and, or, you know, having a kind of panic reaction, they'll tend to be breathing up into the, the chest. Um, and what we want to do is actually breathe down into the diaphragm. So if you can, if you can get that low breath, you know, if someone's having a panic attack, what do you say? Just to take a deep breath, take a deep breath. And it's absolutely right. If you can get the breathing down and just slow everything down, you actually work against the fight or flight response. So you can just find yourself getting a lot more calmer, a lot more grounded. I'm looking for some sort of stillness bit of focus and then what I'm what I've done there is I start to kind of capture and bottle the energy so that I can use the energy rather than the energy using me so rather than I'm just you know a little bit all over the place I can start to focus that and, and take it forward so uh, if that's of interest I go into that a, a lot more in the book and I do a little video in there there's some resources so if, if you want to check that out that's a good place to start for those listening, unfortunately, Dominic didn't do any uh, funny faces. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but but I actually have a feeling I may have seen some of his before. Um, it's Again, I have a feeling that this is that sort of um, 5% thing where, uh, you know, we were talking about video messages, only 5% of people are, are doing video messages. I I'm thinking that actually less than 5% of people are thinking about their breathing before they go into yeah. something. Yeah. And it's fascinating, though. Once I've worked with a team, it's normally 
one of one of three or four things that will come back as the the kind of feedback of what are we implementing and what has made the biggest difference um so you you might think that it sounds a little bit kind of woo woo and a bit strange but actually once once you've tried it and once once you've then deployed it in a high stakes situation you'll find that it's a brilliant way to to get you in the zone i remember you've always been uh very you know obviously i i do marketing you do communication the two are very linked um yeah. I, I remember you telling me about a marketing campaign that you did a, a very very targeted campaign um you uh you used the the thunderbirds uh, uh part of you I, I just want you to to explain to people watching and listening um that this it was a it was a set of postcards wasn't it that you did yeah. um yeah. in uh, in handwritten envelopes tell us more um just to because i thought it was really clever so what we were trying to do is we were, we were trying to look for a way that we could stand out from the crowd and, and create a little bit of intrigue. Um, you know, there are, there are lots of people that, that offer training and, you know, and a lot, we're, we're very much a communications training specialist, but there are plenty of training organizations that will do time management, leadership, project management and communication in there as well. So, uh, there's quite a lot of competition and we wanted to really capture people's imagination and and focus them on the thing that we did um so i, I had a great uh, business coach at the time and we were we were kind of bouncing some ideas around and he was like you must use the thunderbirds thing somehow that's like you know what could we do with the five four three two one thing so what we did is we we started uh, this camp a postcard campaign where we had um, five postcards, well, actually six postcards. So you had the five, four, three, two, one countdown. And those first five postcards were completely anonymous. They were handwritten, but they were, they were little kind of teaser things. I can't remember the, the, the copy, but there was, there was stuff around, you know, uh, would you like to help the communication in your organization take off? And there was just like cheesy little um, intrigue statements. Uh, and what we did is we dripped those out. So they, were, they, were, they kind of landed one a day on, in people's uh, post boxes. And then the sixth postcard said uh, something like commu communication skills are go um, and there was a URL so it was it, it, all of these were signed from Virgil by the way so there was no company there were no company branding on there there was nothing about me um, and it said uh, the last one just said hi um, you know hi Johnny I've made you a little video just just to go back just to go back a step because the, i think my understanding is the way you sent it out was that you'd send you know postcard the first postcard was sent out but it was put in a birthday card envelope it was in a, yeah. a colored envelope handwritten yeah. to to a very specifically to a a, a target that you were trying to, oh, to these were very targeted. We, you know, we we looked at the the types of businesses that we want to work with. We we researched the people on LinkedIn. Um, we'd we'd phoned the business and found out what their email address and made sure that that person was working in the organisation. You know, so we'd done all the homework, um, and then yeah, that each each envelope had a different colour. So they were, you know, they, and they were all they were all the colours of the uh, of the Thunderbirds. So red, blue, green. So each 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 one was very kind of specifically designed to move people onto the the next step and the, what was and, the purpose, and the purpose being was to getting it onto their desk as well because it was handwritten 
Yeah, so so you'd normally find when we spoke to people afterwards, you'd normally find that the first one was put on their desk because they thought it was a birthday card or something like that. And then the second one was put on their desk because they were like, bloody hell, there's another one of these. Um, and then people, it started to become talking points in, in offices. So as you would expect, some people hated it, ignored it, and, and they went straight in the recycling. But other people, they became, a, they became for a whole week a sense of like, we've got another one of these things and we don't know who it's from. Uh, and so then that final postcard with the URL just said, hi, um, hi Johnny, I've, I've made you a, a little video. I would love to know what you think. Best wishes, Virgil. And the URL was videofromvirgil.com uh, forward slash Johnny. And if you went there, you'd get a, a personalized landing page with me saying, uh, with a personalized video. So it wasn't just a, a, a one, one size fits all. It was, hi, Johnny, um, love, love what you're doing at Fleek at the moment. Be really interested in talking to you about A, B, and C. Um, and if people got through to that stage and watched the video, then they were surefire uh, for, a, for a conversation. There was, a, there was no way that they weren't gonna book, book something in and, and, and have a, a chat with us. And the, the lead time in our sort of world is, is a little bit different. We're not selling you know, paper supplies or something that people are gonna need immediately. So those conversations could, could go on. And in fact, we've, we're still having conversations now with people that got postcards three or four years ago and, and, and we've stayed in touch with. Um, and when the time is right, we will be the people that they, uh, that they come and buy from. I hope you don't mind sharing that because I just, but I just thought it was just so clever and, and, and it's something that I referenced back to many times. Uh, and, uh, I, I, I just think it was really, really clever. I think it's a it's a combination, uh, and I would we're, we're no longer running that campaign, but we're we're doing similar things. A combination of personalization and video, and those those two things are really really powerful. Um, there are there are a million ways to get past the gatekeeper, and you know people become wise wise to this. But the other thing is that direct mail is still one of the one of the easiest ways to get in front of people um and that that's become a little bit more difficult right now um but you know there are still ways that there are still ways for for you to to do that um you know there'll be certain times in in the year where we decide that we're going to give away a couple of copies of the book and that sort of thing and so we will go out to people targetedly and just say hey um you know, would love to would love to send you a copy of the book. Um, if this is of interest, let us have your address. For those people that get back, we've got then got a home home address where we can post them a copy of the book. We can put a handwritten postcard inside, um, and then inevitably follow them up with a little video message afterwards to say, "Have you had a chance to read? Um, you know, have you got any training needs right now? We'd we'd love to have a further conversation." So use that combination. I think it's really powerful. We talked about um, we're all now in showbiz. Yeah. Um, what you know? Should we be? What what should we be doing? What should we should we be riding this storm? Should we be having our own TV channel? Should you know what what's what what's what's your thoughts and point here, Dominic? I think we've just got to acknowledge that there's a lot of competition for our audiences' eyes and ears. Yeah. Um, and and now 
when we're when we're sitting in a yeah, when we're sitting in an office, you, you could go over and have a conversation, or you could get someone to come in to meet you and sit down and you know make them a cup of tea and bring out the best biscuits and all of that sort of stuff. Um, you you can't do that in the same way now. So the the way that you can elevate yourself is just by thinking about how you're showing up on camera. Um, you know, what what impression are you giving to your audience? And there, there are just little things. Let me just have a look, quick play around with the settings. Um, you know, silly little things like like this. You know, here I am using a different, different camera. You can see my skylight. You, you can't see me as well. I'm much less impactful. It, this is this is like real budget TV show versus you know going going to something that is definitely you know, the best of the BBC or, or, or ITV. You know, just thinking about some of those little production values are, are really important. Um, how you light yourself, the sort of type of microphones that you you're using, um, and not just taking video meetings for granted, not just thinking, okay, well, I do a good job in my sales meetings, but with the team, it's just the team. Your team will get really disengaged really quickly if they're not feeling your presence down the lens, if they don't, if they don't think that you are there talking to them. You know, in a, in a meeting environment in, in an office, it's much less unlikely or much, much less likely, sorry, that you'd have like your mobile phone out or another browser window open. We live in this world of distractions now. And so we need to, we need to keep people's attention. It is essentially the attention economy, whether you're, whether you're using that from a sales perspective or from, a, from, a, from leading a team perspective, your, your job is to keep your audience's eyeballs and and to keep them focused on on you and uh, and what you're doing and not clicking away uh, to do something else. So you've got to think about the quality of of, of your broadcast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, are you getting enough um, downtime? And uh, you know, you you like the outdoors? Uh, has COVID given you a bit more of that? What you know, where where, where are you going to next? Where's the next trip? So uh, no is probably the, the, the short answer to that. It's it's actually been incredibly busy for us over the last six months because so many organisations have wanted to rethink the way that the way that they do that. Um, but I am pleased to say we had a had a team meeting and went through the the delivery di diary um, this morning and uh, and the the two weeks before Christmas things really start to wind down. So I'm I'm looking for some looking forward to some time out. We just got a puppy, so we're going to be uh, doing a lot of puppy training um, and then hopefully going getting in some kind of Christmas walks and going and enjoying a little bit of the countryside. So uh, yeah, that that should be me switching off for a few weeks over Christmas, which would be great. Fabulous. Um, it's been fascinating speaking to you. We've come to the end of our time, I'm afraid. Don't we? Already, my goodness. Yeah, it, it, it's, it, it's, we could talk for a long time and it's brilliant. And, and you've got some great ideas, uh, great thoughts, uh, and, and I absolutely love it. And um, you've got the book on Amazon. It's called Impact. Yeah. Um, yes, if is. we, if you know, if if I am a, a senior leader, oh, here's a here's a the screen. Um, <laughs> if I'm a, a senior leader looking to make a bigger impact, um, yeah. or looking to you know uh, increase business development or engage teams, what's the what, what's the where where do we find you, Dominic? 
So if, uh, find me, uh, if you're interested in training, then find me and us at inflow.global um, or connect with me on LinkedIn. And I'd, I'd say, you know, we're, we're broadcasting on LinkedIn. So anyone who's watching on LinkedIn right now, feel free to, to connect. It'd be lovely to see you. Um, if you're interested in speaking for, um, you know, a, a team conference or putting together a, a, a virtual meeting in, in the new year, then uh, you can find a lot of information about that at dominiccalenzo.com. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening, everyone, and watching. Um, and uh, it won't be long before there's another live Q&A with uh, another guest. But Dominic, today, you've been amazing. Uh, thanks very much. And we'll see you all soon. Take care. Thank you. Take care. You've been listening to the Johnny Ross Audio Experience. Thanks so much for joining me. If you want to continue the conversation, head over to my website, fleek.marketing, or find me on LinkedIn. That's all for today. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, tag me in your social media posts, and please leave me a review on iTunes. It will make a huge difference for me. I will see you soon. Bye.